In the Maral, we're learning the Mishnah Nita Arbeli, and we're learning about the distance a person has to make, ensure that he has from a bad neighbor. And a person shouldn't befriend a Russia. Just to sum up what we said last time, the influence of a neighbor is something which is I'm powerless to stop. By virtue of the fact that I'm so close to him, so I'm automatically aware of what he's saying and doing. And if it's something which is bad, then I'm unable to prevent hearing, seeing, whatever it might be, what's going on by my neighbor. And therefore the only answer for a bad neighbor is distance yourself. When it comes to a friend, so then the danger is that friendship is reciprocal. What my friend does for me, I want to repay. And therefore, being a friend of a Russia puts me in situations where I'm challenged. Puts me in situations where I feel that I have to act the same as they're doing, or it makes it much harder for me to be different. And therefore, if I'm looking to choose a friend, Nittar Beri tells us, don't look to choose a friend as a Russian. And the third thing he says is Altis In other words, a prime factor why a person would want to befriend or partner with a Russia is because he sees the Russia as being successful. Nitabad tells us success of a Russia is temporary. Don't rely on that because eventually he's going to suffer. And if you're his partner or you're his friend, you're his neighbor, you're going to suffer along with him. That's what we saw last time. Now the, the Marah is going to die a bit more on that. But why it is the notion of Altisiyayish Minapuranis? That is a simple notion, it is be aware of the Puranis. So we start the paragraph, it starts, Altisiyayish Minapuranis. Sha'al Yemakum Rukhak Minarah. You shouldn't think I've done nothing wrong. And therefore, if the Russia is punished, I won't. And therefore, even if the Russia has done things to get punished, I don't think I've done anything wrong. I don't deserve the punishment. You shouldn't get closer to the Ra. And like we saw last time, because, and the, the Maral explained to us, that the closest to a person is his own Yetzirah. And by coming close to people who are is really opening the opening for the Yetzirah, which is right to affect him too. And he doesn't realize at the beginning, he thinks he's strong, and he won't be nechshal, and he won't be influenced, but these things happen. And therefore, an awareness, like we saw, of what could happen should be the deterrent to prevent it even starting. Al-Disyashmaparonos means don't think that you're invincible and that you won't also be put in a situation where you're likely to be next to the punishment as well. And only that we saw that the primary Yerushimayim is to avoid the temptation. Not to feel I want to be strong enough and overcome the temptation. If a person is scared of something, I look to avoid it, not to overcome it. If I know that there's a poisonous snake around, I'm not going to look to find it, to fight with it, to see who's stronger. The risk of it being stronger is too strong. 
I'd rather avoid the place where it is and not have to confront it. And Avera should be the same way. I shouldn't think that I'm going to prove I'm stronger than Avera. I'm going to try and put myself in the in this line of fire, in the temptation to overcome it. Because the possibility of failure is too, is too dangerous. The fact that if I don't, I've done something wrong, outweighs the possibility of maybe I'll be stronger and overcome. And therefore Yerushimayim is, I see clearly enough how bad the Avera is, that the better option is, don't approach it. Keep a distance. And whether that's a physical distance from the person who's likely to pervade the Avera, or the friend is likely to be the bad influence on me, or in the spiritual sense. To avoid the Yetzirah, which is trying to tempt me, has the same effect. I'm better off avoiding the confrontation than risking losing. So now the Maral says, so why does it say the notion of don't forget about the Pranus? And doesn't say simply, You should be afraid of the Pranus. And the Maral says, this is a side point, but he says, Being afraid, being worried, is a bad meta. And that is, worry is a bad meter. Because it doesn't bring a person anywhere. It's paralyzing. And therefore to be always worried, maybe I'm going to get punished. Is something which just causes inertia. And therefore it's a, it's a meter which doesn't have any positive effect. The knowledge that there is punishment which motivates me to avoid it, when he says, is something which is positive. The feeling of worry, maybe I'm going to get punished, which doesn't make me do anything, is therefore negative. And therefore he says, rather what the mission says, is such as Haman, such as Haman, this is a tremendous point to think about. It's something, a lesson in the Megillah, which we don't often focus on. Because we look at it from the perspective of the Jewish people. Think from a, for a perspective from the point of view of Haman. The most successful day in Haman's life was the day that he was invited to Queen Esther's first party. He had it all. He was a prime minister, tremendously wealthy, and now he was the only guest at an intimate banquet between the king and the queen. Haman felt on top of the world. The most powerful, the most wealthy person in the entire empire. a friend of the king, and now he thought also a friend of the queen. If you had come to the common then, that late night, when he walked out of the royal banquet hall, and started making his way home, I said, Homer, where do you think you're going to be in 24 hours? Where are you going to be tomorrow night? Homer will tell you, I'll be coming out of Queen Esther's second party. Just as satisfied, just as happy, 
just this the same feeling of achievement that I have now. Maybe even more. If you'd say no, Haman, you're making a mistake. Tomorrow night, this time, you're going to be hanging on a gallows. There's no way for a second Haman would agree. You couldn't even conceive such a possibility. Which gallows? Me? I'm the Prime Minister. What are you talking about? The gallows hadn't even been built yet. And yet, that night, Homer comes home, builds the gallows. In the middle of the night, goes to the king. Gets ordered to parade Malachi in the horse. In the morning, that's what he does. In the afternoon, he comes to the second banquet. And by the second night, he's dead. Hanging on the gallows. Who could have believed how quickly Homer's downfall would come? From the top of the world to the top of the gallows in just one day. Says the morale, never think a person is in a position that they can't be punished. Just like we speak about the Gola. Never give up hope that Hashem can redeem us. Just like in Pesach, within a few minutes, we can be on our way and journey out. Even before Doha has time to rise. Suddenly we tell the Russia, you have no idea how quickly punishment can come. Now, let's add a story to that. A story of a certain extremely wealthy Jew who came to the Chavetz Chaim. And he says, Rabbi, I have trouble, trouble, difficult, I'm a believer obviously, but I have difficulty understanding what Chazal said. That HaKadosh Baruch Hu can make a person wealthy and Hashem can impoverish someone. He says, take me for example. I have such tremendous wealth. I can't understand how Hashem would be able to impoverish me. That even if, let's say, uh, I would get robbed from all my cash, from all my jewelry, but I own properties all over the world. And even if, let's say, the property market will crash, but I have stocks, I have commodities, I have businesses. How is it possible for Hashem to take my money away from me? And the Chavetz Chaim answered with one line. He said, sometimes Hashem takes the money away from the person. Sometimes Hashem takes the person away from the money. Haman was extremely wealthy, more than any other person. But if Hashem takes the person away from the money, then it doesn't help him anything when he's already dead. And therefore, I'll see Hashem in Now, the Maharan is another explanation. It says, person should distance himself from a bad neighbor or a bad friend. You shouldn't think, if I get punished, I'll still be okay. Things could happen very suddenly. And I don't think, well, I'll abandon the Russia before I see him getting punished. You might not have time to do that. Okay, so that's the 
a continuation of that on that idea. Now the morality side always was that when you have a zug, each one is presenting a different perspective of the same principle. And the morale explains it to us that in each of these zugas, we have one side of how things are looked at from the positive, from the side of what to do, which he says is ava, and one from the negative, which is here. And therefore, if we look to this partnership of Yeshiv and Prachi and Nita Arbeli, so they each said three things. Let's see if we can line them up. Yeshiv and Prachi said, make yourself a rap, acquire for yourself a he said, distance yourself from a bad neighbor, don't befriend the Russia, and don't forget about the punishments. How do they line up with each other? So the obvious one is the middle one. Well, even though it's important to acquire a friend, like we said, the nature of a friend is what has a reciprocal relationship with them, but Nita Abedi says, but as important as a friend is, don't make that friend a Russia. Because that's going to force the person to have to reciprocate or to put in situations where it'll be much harder for them to avoid the influence of the Russia. What about the first? Show him Brachis and make yourself a Rav. And we explain there that the Rav doesn't mean somebody who's naturally the God Ladar. But it means, look to see what you can learn from other people. If there's somebody I think I can learn from, so look to learn from that. In that area, he's going to be Marav. By the same token, Mithar Bailey says, just like the people who can, you can learn from, they're in a positive way. They're people you're going to get influenced from in a negative way. And not because I'm looking for a Rav to teach me to do wrong, but just being in the proximity of a Russia is going to influence me negatively. And therefore the Shachinra, the bad neighbor, has an effect on a person for bad, like a Rav would have for good. A person is going to be influenced negatively. And therefore don't put yourself in a case where you're going to get negatives negatively. Distance yourself from a bad neighbor. People ask, I'm saying this parenthetically, people ask sometimes that maybe they'll be able to influence the show, maybe they'll be a good influence on the Russia. They'll bring them to the children, they can make them repent. How do you do The best is a distance himself from a bad neighbor and from a bad friend. So we already addressed this last week, and that is a person who wants to influence others has to first make sure he's not in a place where he's going to be influenced. Or whether the influence is subliminal, like the influence of a neighbor, or the influence is direct, like a friend. In either of those cases, a person has to make sure first he's not going to be influenced by the Russia before he is able to positively influence the Russia. And therefore, the only way to do that is if a person puts himself in a situation when he's the influencer and not in the position of being influenced. In other words, exposure to a Russia the whole time as a neighbor will influence me. 
a friend who I have to interact with will influence me. The only way that I can influence other people without them influencing me is if I would be in the position of the Rav and then in the position of the student. Because then I'm in the position to teach and then in the position to learn. But it's not a situation where at the same time we're friends or at the same time we're neighbors. Because if it is, then I'm going to get influenced too. And I'm saying parenthetically, I see this in the Koda, where we're always sending people to the Kirib in all parts of the world. And, and if a person is coming in the position of the teacher, the position of the Raf, I'm here to teach, I'm here to, to give to you. And I'll keep myself in a way where I'm not going to be in a position to have to need to receive in return. Then maybe I can be a positive influence without the same worry that I'm going to get negatively influenced as well. If a person is coming as a friend, and therefore my relationship is meant to be with friends, because I happen to be an Orthodox Jew, and you not yet, but we, our relationship is dictated, so to speak, as friends with each other, then it's going to create a lot of difficult situations for a person. You invite them for a Friday night meal as friends, but now they want to invite you Saturday night in the bar. You invite them for a share, they want to invite you for a movie. If the relationship is going to be friends, and the nature of a friendship is it's reciprocal, so that's creating a situation where it's either going to be a tremendous challenge for a person, or it's going to influence them badly. If I'm coming as a local rabbi, and I give lessons, and I invite guests, so those students, so those guests, aren't necessarily think that they have to reciprocate, and invite me to join them. But if I'm coming as a friend, and therefore the nature of the relationship is we're friends. So we do this, we give to each other. We invite each other. You do for me, I do for you. You invited me out for a meal to your kosher restaurant, now I want you to reciprocate. I want to take you out for a meal. And that's why don't befriend the Russia, because it creates an untenable situation. And let's get to the last point. Yeshua in Brachas' last point was judge every person favorably. Nittar Bani says, don't forget that this punishment. I understand that the connection here is like this. Judging a person favorably. Like Chavetz Chaim tells us in Chavetz Chaim in Chavetz he says, judging a person favorably is one of two ways. If I'm not sure if what the person did is right or is wrong. So I should think maybe what he did was right. If I know what the person did was wrong, then the judging family is maybe he didn't know it was wrong, maybe there was an oiness, maybe it was a shaking, maybe he forgot. I'm not changing the action. I'm not looking at it being good. But I find some justification for the person who did it. It makes it less bad. But one thing judging favorably is not. Is judging what something to be right or wrong based on the result that I see. And therefore to look at somebody who does something wrong and think it must be what he's doing is right because he's so successful. Because he got the other Dishmaya. Because he's so wealthy. 
because he's in a position of power. And therefore, at the side, Master, what he's doing is right. That's not right. Judging the kaf's chus doesn't mean turning what's bad into what's good. It's either in a case of doubt, giving a positive interpretation, or lessening the severity of what the person did by finding some justifi- justifying circumstance. Judging the kaf's chus doesn't mean saying that something bad is maybe it's really good. And that's what two go together. Don't judge an action by the results you see. A person did something and he was successful, don't mean therefore I I'm allowed to do it. It could be the sense success is temporary. Somebody who lent money with interest and became very wealthy. So don't judge in the Kraskus that therefore it must be I'm allowed to lend money with interest. The punishment will come. Just like we're not going to say somebody who worked on Shabbos and made money from it, therefore it allows us to work on Shabbos. Success is temporary. That's the two things put together. And so judge him in the Kafschus as maybe they didn't realize what they're doing was wrong. But don't look at what's wrong as being right because the person who did it was successful. Says the Mara, Therefore, everything Nitai Bailey says revolves around Yerushalayim. To prevent the Chet, like we said. The influence is the influence which will bring a person to Chet. And like we said at the beginning, the real year is, don't think I'm stronger and trying to overcome. Be aware of how bad the Chet possibility is, and therefore, I'm avoiding the chance I'm going to be a Nechshah. Just like Yeshua in Prach spoke of the positive of interacting with people, have a connection to, but aren't my family. We saw that the way I read to people is really an extension of seeing Hashem's creations, which is part of Avas Hashem. We also can and that is the primary positive mitzvah is love Hashem and anything else we do is the positive mitzvah is in some way a sniff a little a detail in bringing us to love Hashem same thing on the other side but came to help a person work on the year Hashem and that is to avoid people who and then that's the sign of a Yerush Hashem. Then, then just like Yerush Hashem is a negative, don't disobey Hashem. Don't do anything which will bring a person to disobey Hashem. The Nasi always spoke about what a person is meant to do. And in this case, Shem Prach was a Nasi. What a person needs to do. What a person shouldn't do. In other words, don't befriend the Russian, don't forget his punishment. Just like the first book, which spoke about Yezef and Yezef and Yechanan, spoke about the two sides of how persons meant to act in their home. Here we talk about the two sides of how persons meant to act in other people. Perhaps the Yosemite step more removed, 
It's not his immediate family, but it's people in his close surroundings. That's the morale explanation of the Mishnah. I want to finish just with the feeling I have. I haven't seen it inside, but it makes sense to me, and I want to share it with you. And then, as we know, that the the Maral himself told us that all the sayings of the Chachamim and Pirkavos weren't just a compendium of ideas that they had on on Chidushim. They were something which was either practical in their own lives or in the times that they lived. And if that's the case, where was Nittai Havera's advice, so to speak, personally practical for himself? We don't know much about Nittai Havera. I was not aware of any other time he's mentioned except for this mission. But from the context, we can work out where he lived. Because his teacher, Yosef ben Yehazah, Hazal Talas, was killed in the time of the Greek oppression prior to the miracle of Hanukkah. His Talmud, which is in the following Mishnah, Shemit ben Shatah, we know was the brother-in-law of King Yana. King Yana married his sister, Shantzion. King Yana was the fourth generation king of the Hashmonai. We know that after the victory of Hanukkah, the Hashmonai themselves took the reins of the country, they became kings. And was passed down from one generation to the next. And the fourth generation of Hashemunai kings was King Yanai, who was a brother-in-law and therefore lived at the same time as Shemim ben Shetach. And if that's the case, if we have to place Nita Harabeli, we see that he was lived at the time of the, maybe the Hanukkah story, or maybe just after that, the first generations of the Hashemunai kings. Now we know something else as well. We know that even though the Hashemunayim themselves, who fought the Greeks and were merited the miracle of Hanukkah, were Kadesh Elyon, tremendous Tzadikim, their descendants were not. King Yana himself was a Russia who killed the Chachamim. But his father is before him also. He came closer to the Yavanim and abandoned camp with the Chachamim. But nevertheless, they were the kings. This was the Jewish, so to speak, uh, royalty of the time. They were the descendants of the ones who had driven out the Greeks that were running the country. And therefore, people were very tempted to befriend them, to get on with the people in power. It was a step up of, for a person to achieve in, a, in society. Oh, they weren't such tzaddikim. But look at the success. They were running the country. They were running the base of English. And that's when Itahavadi's advice and warning is so problem so, so important. Distance yourself from Russia. Even if they are in power, even if they're successful, even if they're the kings. But by being friendly with Russia, you're going to be forced to compromise your values. By being friendly with Rashi, you're going to put yourself in situations where you're going to be challenged. And it's going to be difficult not to give in in order to maintain the friendship. Especially if it's friendship with royalty. Are they successful? Altasiyash, we're not
Right now they're on top. Right now they have the kings, right now they have the power, and they have the money. Haman also was in that position. And look at one day, Haman's position changed, like we said, from being the prime minister to being killed by the crown. By the crown. That was why it was Nagay, specifically for the Dar of Nitaan Vedi. We just need to finish with one last line. What happened to the kings of the Hashmanai? The Gemara tells us in Kedushin, the Shmuel says, whoever says that he's the descendant of the Hashmanai, you should know he's a slave. Because they know the descendants of the Hashmanai. A servant from, the own fa- from their own household, his name was Herod, Herodus, or in English he's called Herod the Great. He heard a bascal that whoever rises against his masters will be successful. And it didn't take a long time. Herod rose up and he destroyed the entire family of the Hashmonaim. No survivors. Just like Bahaman. A Russian may look successful after Tiashman Apuranus. You never know how quickly a person's fortunes can be reversed. And therefore, don't compromise yourself by looking to gain by being a friend of a Russian. That was the advice of the Tarbedi, and as we saw, that's how exactly how it played out. To the Rishonim of his time that he was referring to, and hinted obviously in pale terms, just like it applied as an example of Maragas Patahaman.